Welcome. Good to see everybody here this morning. The sun is out, so everybody's alive and energetic. At least I'm alive and energetic. It feels good out there. We are on a week nine of a ten-week series, How to Obtain Wisdom. If we're going to talk about wisdom, maybe we better figure out what it means, what it is. Here's a couple definitions. Wisdom is the ability to judge what is true, right, and lasting. You're a wise person if you can do that. Uh, Wisdom is becoming competent with regards to the realities of life. Life functions a certain way, and and when you're competent with regards to the realities of what really is taking place in life, life and eternity, um, then wisdom is yours. Wisdom is knowing how things really happen, knowing how things really are, and knowing what to do about it. And then wisdom is the ability to make the right decision when the moral rules do not apply. Moral rules are the Word of God. Uh, a right decision in regards to committing adultery. Should I commit adultery? Should I not? Well, the Bible will help you out with that. All you have to do is read the Bible. It says, thou shalt not commit adultery. That's a wise decision, therefore don't do it. 20% of all our decisions, moral rules apply, thou shalt not, don't do it, um, because it's not the wise thing to do. But 80% of our decisions are where the moral rules don't necessarily apply. Uh, Proverbs points to the direction of you need to have wisdom, or could be completely correct to choose this college, or completely correct to choose that college. It's not a moral rule, but you still have to choose the right one because they have large ramifications for your life. Those decisions are in regards to wisdom. So we're working through the book of Proverbs, and if you look back um, at our series, you'll see um, how to obtain wisdom. You'll see the areas of how to obtain wisdom, but also you'll see how we're working through the book of Proverbs as well. So you see, if you want to obtain wisdom, you need to read the Word. That was kind of an introductory to how to obtain wisdom. And then the next one is fear God. We worked out a chapter one, very specific, that the foundation of uh, obtaining wisdom is the fear of the Lord. Get in touch with reality is chapter two in Proverbs. Respond to God's reproof is chapter one, or I'm sorry, chapter one, chapter one, chapter one, full, full chapter. And then in chapter two, we have ask for it if you want wisdom. Chapter three says if you want to wisdom, you need to trust God. And then chapter four, prioritize your loves if you want wisdom. Then again in chapter 4, we see be faithful in your walk with God if you want to obtain wisdom. And then we're not going over 5 through 7. If you look at wisdom, wisdom is a a pronoun all the way through the book of Proverbs, describing wisdom as a she, as a her. And uh, the reason why is because we have a relationship with wisdom. It's not an it that uh, we want to do. It's something we want to love, something we want to embrace, something we want to adore, something we want to honor. And then the response of embracing her, loving her, honoring her, she embraces you back. There's a a relationship in regards to wisdom. That's why it uses the pronouns of she and her. So looking at uh, chapters 5 through 7, it starts talking about a relationship between a husband and wife and uh, starts to say, stay away from adultery. Work hard at that relationship. All that is doing 5 through 7 in Proverbs is just enhancing um, the topic of wisdom under a context that we understand which is a husband and wife relationship in regards to the temptation of adultery and then what it will do, what it will do to us. And then chapter 7, um, or, or I'm sorry, chapter 8, um, which is where we're going to work on today, describes a whole summary of how to obtain wisdom. and just gives you a list of these are the ways that you need to think if you're going to obtain wisdom. So we'll look in, in the chapter 8 today and see what we can do to obtain wisdom. But number one in our notes, to obtain wisdom... You need to live by the eight golden rules of thinking. Now, that is what I wrote down because as I read this passage, um, there is eight golden rules in chapter 8 that says, think this way and you will be wise. So the passage is in your notes, 8, 1 through 17. 
if you look at it, chapters one, or verse 1 through 11 is just a common thing that uh, whenever it brings some information about wisdom, it just says, wisdom is crying out in the street. Women, wisdom wants you. Wisdom is coming after you. Take hold of it. And then it gives us the eight golden rules, and they're even underlined. Please don't turn the notes around and fill all the notes in and then leave because you have all the information because we're going to go through them a little slower. And then that's chapter, or verses 12 through 14. And then chap, uh, verses 15 through 21, what you'll see in this passage, you'll see the celebration of how wisdom rewards you if you hold on to these eight golden rules. So let's read the passage, and then we'll work through these eight golden rules of thinking. Proverbs 8, 1 through 7. Does not wisdom call out? Does not understanding raise her voice? On the heights along the way where the paths meet, she takes her stand. Beside the gate leading to the city, at the entrances, she cries out, To you, O men, I call out. I raise my voice to all mankind. You who are simple, gain prudence. You who are foolish, gain understanding. Listen, for I have worthy things to say. I open my lips and speak what is right. My mouth speaks what is true. For my lips detest wickedness. All the words of my mouth are just. None of them is crooked or perverse. To the discerning, all of them are right. They are faultless to those who have knowledge. Choose my instruction instead of silver. Knowledge rather than choice gold. For wisdom is more precious than rubies. And nothing nothing you desire compares with her. I, wisdom, dwell together with prudence. I possess knowledge and discretion. To fear the Lord is to hate evil. I hate pride and arrogance, evil behavior and perverse speech. Counsel and sound judgment are mine. I have understanding and power. By me, kings reign and rulers make laws that are just. By me, princes govern and the nobles who rule on earth. I love those who love me, and those who seek me find me. With me are riches and honor, enduring wealth and prosperity. My fruit is better than fine gold. What I yield surpasses choice silver. I walk in the way of righteousness, along the paths of justice, bestowing wealth on those who love me and make their treasures full. Number one of our eight golden rules to think is number one, think with foresight over the immediate. If you look at that passage in verse 12, you say, well, where does it say that? Proverbs 8, verse 12 says this, I, wisdom, dwell together with prudence. Now, I just want to look at that first word in that verse, I. You're no longer talking in third person. All the way through Proverbs, we're talking in third person. We're saying her. We're saying she. We're saying go after her. This is third person, almost saying this is what is out there. But now wisdom is now taking the pulpit. Wisdom says, I. I'm going to start speaking in first person. This is what I am. So you can almost see wisdom getting really serious. Saying, okay, I'm going to give you a summary here. This is what I am. If you want it, if you want to obtain it, if you want to see it, if you want to hold on to it, if you want it, get your attention. I. What is I? I dwell with prudence. Inside of prudence, you will find wisdom. What is prudence? Prudence, according to the definition, is, supposes the value of the end to be assumed. It refers only to the adaptation of the means It is the relation of right means for a given end. Therefore, some of the words that talk about in the definition of prudence is foresightedness, foresight, and forethought. So if you can have wisdom, what do we need to do? We need to observe the consequences before you do the action. Last night was my daughter's 15th birthday. 
and uh, we really celebrated hard. In fact, there's four girls that were in our, uh, in our house baking like all day, and then they had this huge spread across the table or cupcakes and cakes and cookies and crackers and chips and all those things. And um, I did not use foresight, and I indulged. And it was not wise. Why? Because I was thinking with appetite rather than foresight. Because if you think of foresight, think oh, this is not going to necessarily be good. But to see every decision we make, we should be in the context of what is going to be the consequences of it, what is going to be the response of it, what is going to be the life that is going to come behind the decision that I make. All the way through Proverbs, you have chapters 1 through 8, and then after chapter 8 is done, 9 starts. There's these little Proverbs that are making statements, and in these Proverbs saying, do this, get this, do this, get this, stay away from get this, or, you'll ha- or this will happen to you. That's what those little statements are saying of, of logic, of wisdom. Here's a couple of them. Speak rashly, and you will come to ruin. How many of us speaking rashly? If we speak rashly, we're not having with foresight. We're not thinking of, oh, this is going to come to ruin. This is going to ruin a reputation. This is going to ruin me as a person. We just speak rashly. Speak, uh, how about a greedy man troubles his family? I don't want to trouble my family. Well, how am I troubling my family? Well, if I'm greedy, my family will be troubled. Therefore, I need to think that direction rather than the other direction. Keep away from evil. Uh, evil is foolishness consistently. Evil is stupid. That's what the Bible explains. If you embrace evil, you do not embrace wisdom. You embrace foolishness. Well, the whole book of Proverbs is stay away from evil because there's a future that is going to come behind the decisions that you make, and you should be thinking of that rather than the thing that is at hand, the decision that is at hand. Wealth is worthless in the day of wrath. Pride comes, then disgrace. All the way through Proverbs, it's pointing us to think ahead rather than at the specific immediate. B, if you, or if you, if you live a luxurious life and reject God, um, that's not necessarily foresight. We could say, well, I'm doing very well in this world. I'm very successful in this world. But if you're looking at foresight, you need to even look a little bit beyond, look entirely beyond your life here on this planet. Because everything that you do on this planet has an eternity ramifications at the end. So we often live for things on this planet. We think, oh, money is something that I want. Money is something that I need. Money is something I should have. And then if we're embracing it, we're not having foresight. John Henry Hewitt says the real measure of wealth is how much you are worth if you lost all of your money. See, money is actually given for the purpose to produce wealth Money is not the wealth. Though we think if we have money, we have the wealth, but money is given to us to produce wealth. Well, how do you produce wealth with money? Foresight. Give it away for a purpose. Give it away to something that is eternity. But see what happens. We hold on to something that is the immediate and say, this is here, this is it, and we don't look in the future and we make decisions in regards to the immediate rather than the future here even on this planet or even beyond. Most of us live in the moment, and that is not wisdom. And if we want wisdom, according to this passage, if we want to think correctly, we always have to think of foresight rather than the immediate. The next eight rules of of thinking, eight golden rules of thinking, number two is to think with knowledge over feelings. says it right in the passage. Proverbs 8, 
I possess knowledge. Here again, wisdom is speaking. If you want wisdom, here's where you can embrace me. Wisdom possesses knowledge. Every single one of us have to make decisions. According to this passage, make decisions with what? Knowledge. Well, we look at that and say, well, duh, of course you make decisions with knowledge. Um, Our feelings drive us to make decisions more than knowledge. Um, I would, now this is not any statistics I read anywhere. I'm just making this, fabricating these statistics as I'm trying to figure this out. So just take them wherever you want. But I believe that 80% of decisions that we make in our life are decisions off of feelings rather than decisions off of knowledge. 80% of all our decisions are feeling decisions, not knowledge decisions. What is anger? Proverbs talks consistently a lot about anger. Anger is temporary insanity. Do you make any good, wise decisions when you're livid, when you're angry? In fact, if you're angry and you're in an argument, the things that are coming out of your mouth are what? Emotional decisions, not logical ones. Emotional decisions that you pay later. Why? Because no logic is coming out of our mouth. Well, what about a deep-seated anger that you just can't get over? Well, you're consistently making decisions all the day through work, through our jobs, through our relationships, where you have this deep-seated anger, and what's it doing? The deep-seated anger is what's making the decisions. No logic. 80% of the decisions we make are off of emotions rather than logic. People who are depressed, what are they doing? They're making decisions off of their feelings not necessarily under logic. People that are lonely. How many people have said, why in the world did I marry that person? Well, they can come up with a whole bunch of different areas um, of why I married that person, but what happens when you often think is that, well, I'm lonely, I need somebody, and we start making decisions off of emotion rather than logic. This is a person I love. This is a person I want to spend the rest of my life with. This is a person that can grow together spiritually. We're not making decisions in regard to logic. We're making decisions in regards to emotions. Um, it's so powerful that we even create laws not over logic. We create laws necessarily over emotions. I uh, went to a conference last week, and there's a lady that was talking. She only talked for 10 minutes, but she was a, a passionate person that uh, started blogging about homosexuality. Uh, she grew up, and her mother uh, left her father for another lady, and it left a lasting scar on her life. That, um, that crushed her. And then she started seeing American laws being passed in regards to homosexual marriage. This is great. This is wonderful. And anybody who doesn't believe it are bigots, are people who are not thinking correctly. And uh, that's when she lost it. She says, I'm just a lady of peace. But I started blogging, and I wrote this whole blog, and the name of it is called Them Before Us. And what is it saying? It's saying the children before us. The children in our world has rights. And some of the rights that they have in our world is to have the father and to have a mother for the rest of their life. And we're making laws that are even breaking that, but those laws are not logic. Because the strength of a country is the strength of a family unit. And if you study the data behind that, every country that is powerful is a country that holds powerful families but yet laws are coming toward a completely different direction. But are those laws coming from a direction of logic, knowledge, thinking, or a direction of emotion? So we move out of the context of wisdom as long as we start thinking 
emotionally about things rather than logically about things. If you want to obtain wisdom, every decision we have to think about, am I making an emotional decision or am I making a logical decision? The next golden rule, thinking if you want to have wisdom, is number three, think with discretion over rashness. What is discretion? Discretion is discreet, cautious, slow down, think before you act. Proverbs 8 explains it. I, speaking wisdom, I, wisdom, possess knowledge and discretion. It's given us a download of words that are completely packed, and one of those packed words is discretion. Slow down, think before you act, be discreet. Last Saturday night, I came home from preaching, and uh, my daughters were not home yet. My 15-year-old was still out with a 16-year-old, and uh, they were um, driving home, and it was about 11 o'clock, and they were driving home. And we live out in the country, out in Beaver Connor, right behind Millersburg. And as they were driving home, uh, there was a car that was parked out in the country that flashed them, and they just kept on driving. And then the car pulled out and started following them. And when the car started following them, it scared them, and said, well, we've got to step on the gas. So they stepped on the gas, and they, they got home. And they got home, and they told Dad, and I said, a car out in Deaver Connor in the country flashing you, trying to pull you over? What's going on? So, of course, I got in my pickup to see what was going on to see if there was a car that should not be in the country of Deaver Connor. So, sure enough, I was driving about a mile away from our home, and there was the car, and what did it do? It flashed me. Well, of course, I slowed down, went about 400, 500 yards ahead, pulled into a road and parked, and sure enough, they came after me. And they were coming after me really, really slow, and as they were coming after me really slow, a guy rolled down his window, and I saw a picture of him in my headlights, and with all due respect, he looked like a thug that did not belong in Deaver Connor. But he acted like he wanted to talk to me. So he started pulling in right where I was at, and I used discretion, quietly, just pulled away from him, and then headed home. When I got home, I called the police and said, uh, there's somebody in our neighborhood that probably should not necessarily be um, in our neighborhood, and uh, you should probably come check it out. So the officer said, well, we'll definitely come check it out, but it'll probably be a little bit. So sure enough, I just went to sleep. No big deal. Woke up in the morning, came to church last week, and preached a couple sermons. Well, my wife went jogging last Sunday afternoon, and when she went jogging Sunday afternoon, she goes on roads, but she has this cut-through road through this filbert orchard uh, that she goes through, and as she was jogging, she noticed the same car that I gave the description of parked, hidden inside of a filbert orchard where hopefully nobody sees it. And so she started running really fast and got home as well and says, I think I see your, this car in the filbert orchard. So, of course, my father-in-law, father-in-law and I went out there to see uh, if there's anybody in the car, there's nobody in the car. But we then called the police again and said, oh, there's a car that's stashed in the Filbert Orchard, and it probably should not um, be here. And it's the same car that is reported the night before. So sure enough, the officers came out, and one of the officers um, that came out was the same one that, that went the night before and looked around, so he knew the area. And uh, when he came out, he said, yes, the car has been reported as stolen. So... And I go, well, it's just a little bit crazy because this car wanted to talk to my daughters and this car wanted to talk to me. And he says, well, what they probably wanted to do is they probably wanted to swap you cars because this one's probably out of gas. 
And he says, make sure you never talk to anybody like that unless you have a gun in your lap. And I said, well, I did have a gun in my lap when I talked to him, but I didn't tell the police officer that. And uh, instead, I used discretion and pulled, and, and pulled out. But what you do is you think of all the consequences, all the things that are taking place, and you make decisions in regards to what is happening and what is being presented right before you in the front of your mind. If you want wisdom, be discreet. Slow down. Just calm down. Don't react. Slow down. Be cautious. Eight golden rules of thinking. The next one. Think with the fear of the Lord in mind. Of course, if they're going to give you eight rules of thinking, they're going to give you this one because it's all the way through the passage or the, through the book of Proverbs. Fear of the Lord is in there 14 different times. And the reason why is because it is the foundation of wisdom. So eight golden rules to thinking. Fear of the Lord will be one. Proverbs 8, it is mentioned in the passage on verse 13. To fear the Lord is to hate evil. What's interesting about this passage is it's different than a lot of the other passages when it regards to the fear of the Lord. If you look at it really close, the fear of the Lord automatically produces something inside of you. What is it? The fear of the Lord automatically produces you to hate evil, according to that passage. It doesn't say, fear the Lord and then hate evil. It says, to fear the Lord is to, all of a sudden reaction, is to hate evil. The problem is that we love evil. The problem is we love foolishness because evil is foolishness. We feed on evil. We feed on foolishness. Is there any way out of it? Is there any redemption at all? There's only one redemption if you want wisdom. And it has to go right back to the foundation. And that foundation is what? Fearing the Lord. If you do not fear God, you will never fear sin. It is the only thing that will keep you away from sin is to say, I've got to see the Lord in the context of who he is, what he's done for me, and the majestic power that he has. And once you see it in that context and worship him in that context, the fear of sin will never take, uh, will, will never, um, you'll never have the fear of sin. If you never have the fear of sin, you will always make foolish decisions rather than wise. Number five, rules of thinking. Think with a humble heart rather than a prideful one. Remember how rich Solomon is. Every single word, we can just hang on every single word. And he's given us eight right here, and he puts the word pride. Proverbs 4, I hate pride. And then gives another word, and arrogance. Wisdom despises pride. And if you want to live under the category of pride, wisdom is not going to be yours. What is pride? Pride says, me above you. And humility says, you above me. Did you know that this is exactly what the world wants? This is exactly what every boss wants. Every boss that interviews somebody does not want somebody to walk in and say, I just want you to know that I'm above the job that you're going to give me. And this job is about me. This job is not about the job that I'm applying for. Every single boss does not want pride in this entire world. Why? Because it's foolishness, and you don't want to hire anybody that is fool. A good leader always says, you above me. Because if you go, you above me, you, just, just give you a picture here, if I'm preaching and I'm the leader up here, I'm saying, let's empower 300 people, and if those 300 people are empowered, what's going to happen? The difference is going to take place in the world. 
But if this is all about me, then I'm not a leader. You see how foolishness takes place if pride is swallowed an individual. A good husband is one that looks at his wife and says, it's about you and not me. A wise husband says, it's you over me. A wise wife says, it's you, my husband, over her. A wise parent says, it's them over us. I will invest my time, sacrifice my energy, sacrifice my desire, sacrifice my wills to make you strong and full. It's them above us. A good parent does that as well. As soon as we fall into that category and in that mindset of our thinking that I do not exist necessarily, I do not exist for me, I exist for you and exist for them, then wisdom will start pulling out of us. Refusing to live that way and refusing to think that way Wisdom will not pour out of us. See the ultimate example on a cross of Jesus Christ is a cross that I should be hanging on, but yet is a cross that he hung on in my stead, laying down his life for me when I should have been laying down my life for the consequences that I've done for the sin that I've done. He says, no, I will do it in place of you. The ultimate example of wisdom, because Jesus is wisdom, that is his mindset. Number six, golden rule to thinking. Think with counsel over being above it or neglecting it. When my children were young, I used to play tug-of-war with them, and it's always a humiliating experience. The reason why is because they were six, seven, you know, sometimes eight years old, and I can easily beat one, but two, I really struggled, and three would wipe me out all the time. And so if I had three kids on the rope and they were pulling, I'd fall on my face and I'd say, come on, Dad, I thought you were strong. I thought you were tough. We're just three little tiny kids. But if you look at the power of three people and compared to one, the power is extreme if you look at that leverage. What about the power of minds? If you look at 300 people and compared to one, if I take 300 minds and I take advice, I take counsel, I take direction, I take wisdom from other people's minds, what kind of strength are we going to have? Solomon is telling us this is the way you need to live. You need to be completely and entirely open to counsel so you can take everybody else's mind coming into yours and what's going to take place. Wisdom is going to blossom. Wisdom is going to grow. Why? Because wisdom does not generate specifically from my mind. It generates from others' minds others' perspectives, and others' wise decisions or even experiences. But yet we as people like, well, we don't need counsel, and we reject that. That's the definition of a fool. Don't reject counsel. Open your mind up to counsel, and you will be wise. Proverbs 8, I have, oh, Proverbs 8.10, counsel and sound judgment are mine. Another golden rule to thinking if you're going to have wisdom, think under the umbrella of God's understanding and not yours. Again, looking at the passage, wisdom has understanding. I have understanding. It's not I in the sense of me, it's I in the sense of wisdom has understanding. Wisdom has understanding because it has God beyond it, and God's understanding is most definitely more powerful than ours, but we often make decisions in regards to our understanding rather than God's understanding. Who's the worst preacher that ever walked on this planet? Um, 
We don't know for sure, but I think I know who exactly the worst preacher is. And you know who the worst preachers ever walk on the planet is uh, Noah. If you look back, he was a preacher for 400 years, and he had zero converts. I mean, the guy couldn't, the guy couldn't you know, evangelize to anybody. I mean, the only people he saved was, was his family members. But what did he do? He did it for 400 years. How long would I be able to last if I had zero converts, zero reaction from people as I consistently preached? I tell you, I think I'd burn out in about four but what did he do? He kept on going and kept on going. He kept on going. And what happens after 400 years, God says, yeah, get out of that profession and build a ship. Uh, build a boat. Build an ark. Sorry, i got to get biblically correct. Build an ark. So what does he do? He builds an ark. And then after he builds this ark, what? God wipes out the entire world. Do you know what we can do right now? Is every salvation that has happened in this entire planet could all be credited to one person's faithfulness. And that would be Noah's. You see, what happens is that God's mind is working in the whole picture. I am going to save the world, and for 400 years, you're going to be a failure in giving a gospel that saves the world. But if you remain, what, faithful in your failures, what's going to take place? Every salvation that's ever existed on this entire planet will be credited back to your faithfulness. See, in my understanding, I would have quit after four years. But in Noah's understanding, this is God, I just got to be faithful. I got to be faithful. I got to be faithful. We make decisions off of our understanding and not God's understanding. The power of wisdom is making our decisions off of God's understanding and how he works rather than how we work and how we understand. Number eight, another golden rule, last golden rule of thinking, if you're going to have wisdom, is think under the umbrella of God's power and not yours. I have another Old Testament story, but I'm not going to go there because I'm a little bit out of time. But you look all the way through the Old Testament. What were people that carried power doing? The people that carried power, that carried influence, the kings that reigned were people that trusted in God rather than themselves. And they hung on to a power that was beyond them. We have that same power to hang on to. And the power is God. If we want to be wise, what should we do? Hang on to it rather than God. See, we think God is only capable of doing whatever we can comprehend. God's not capable of doing what we can comprehend. He can do so much more than we comprehend, and that's why our lives should be driven by faith. Therefore, don't think under the context of our own power. Think under the context of God's. Proverbs 8, 10 says, I, wisdom, has understanding, and wisdom has power. Do you want it? Look at, by me, by wisdom, kings reign, and rulers make laws that are just. By wisdom, princes govern, and all nobles who rule on earth. It is by wisdom that this has taken place. In closing, wisdom loves those who love her, and the one who seeks her finds her. Just ask a couple questions. Wisdom is yours, or statements. Wisdom is yours if you want it. Riches um, is yours if you want it. Maybe not entirely on this earth, but there's riches that are out there that are yours if you want it. Enduring wealth, eternal wealth, is yours if you want it. Prosperity is yours if you want it. Your treasures will be full if you want it. What do you need to do? You need to love wisdom. The reason why you need to love it because you will not go after these principles that are given in Proverbs chapter 8 unless we love it. And the way you need to do, you need to seek it. 
This is what is closing in the verse, in the chapter, chapter 8, Proverbs 8. I, wisdom, love those who love me. And those who seek me does what? Will find me. With me are riches and honor, enduring wealth and prosperity. My fruit is better than fine gold. What I yield surpasses choice silver. I walk in the way of righteousness along the paths of justice, bestowing wealth on those who love me and making their treasures full. If we want wisdom, our thinking needs to change. And the way that our thinking needs to change is to grab a hold of Proverbs. Grab a hold of Solomon's wisdom and the principles that are behind it. God, we are people that want wisdom, and we just ask that we would be people who love it, people who would seek it, people who would go after it and sacrifice for it. God, empower us to be um, faithful people rather than rash people. Empower us to be people that um, put knowledge, God, in our thoughts um, rather, than, rather than acting off of feelings. God, help us to be people that put you first. The fear of God is the beginning of wisdom, God, and I just pray that, um, that we would be people, God, that put you first because, God, we want wisdom when we know that that's the foundation. Empower us, God, to go after wisdom, God, because we all know that we need it. And we also know that the world needs it around us. And we just pray that you give it to us. In Christ's name, amen.